it's Shirley and Monisha from Make It Shine, the money podcast. On today's podcast, we share six steps to spring clean your finances and four mind hacks to help you follow through. Just like spring cleaning your home, it's time to declutter and reorganize your finances. Keep listening to find out how. And this is the time where you hear people talk about spring cleaning, your wardrobe, your home, your life. That's right, Manisha. So I'm a big fan of spring cleaning. And there's a statistic out there that says that we make 35,000 decisions a day. So if decluttering and getting organized means I can save my brain power for the really important things, I'm all for it. I agree. I mean, we clean and organize everything else. You even hear people talk about social media detoxes, where they go through their phones and delete apps they don't use. So finances should definitely be on the list too. Yeah, I totally agree. So how often do you declutter and review your finances? We review our finances more than declutter, uh, but probably I would say twice a year at best. What about you, Shirley? Probably a few times a year. I've been keeping a spreadsheet that has a snapshot of all my accounts. And also a few months ago, I was shuffling money around to take advantage of a great GIC rate. So I did a review of the spreadsheet, but the springtime is always popular because that's when taxes are due. Yes, and so there's a few ways we can interpret what spring cleaning your finances means. So let's break it down into six steps and keep it simple. So step number one, check in on your accounts. Or another way of putting it is an inventory check. How much money or debt do you have and where is it? Since we are comparing it to how we would declutter our homes and everything else, you usually take inventory of what you have and get rid of what you don't need. Yeah, so your money could be in digital or in physical form. Today, all our financial accounts are accessible online. So I have an Excel spreadsheet that lists the following. The name of the company my account is at, the type of financial product, and then the balance and the date that I'm looking at it. So I do this for every single account, and that can include accounts like checking, savings, any investments or retirement accounts, plus any loans, including my mortgage. And since I do this a few times a year, I'm able to see my money patterns, whether I'm saving more or reducing debt. Yes, exactly. In regards to the physical versions of money, and I know what you're thinking, who keeps cash around? Well, it's actually much more common than you think. One of my friends is a personal trainer as a side hustle, and a few of his friends pay him in cash, and he always forgets to deposit it to the bank. So one time he counted, and he had collected over $3,000 in cash, and it was just sitting in a coffee tin in his kitchen. Yeah, I can see how that could add up quickly. And remember in one of our previous podcasts, I think it was about the secret bank accounts where you shared that your mom hid money in your couch and then forgot about it for several months. Yes, we were actually going to sell the couch too because we were moving countries. And we did, and it happened that the couch was shipped over and she remembered it, and we luckily found it in this completely new house in a completely different country. That's so funny. Other than cash, some people actually have uncashed checks. So I know checks are not common in everyday life, but my friend, he's self-employed, and one of his clients wrote him a check, and I saw it on his fridge in the summer. And I didn't see him for a few months, and when I visited again, the same check was still in the fridge. So at that point, I was just wondering if there was some significance to the check. Like, why was it still on the fridge? And when I asked him about it, he said, oh yeah, I keep forgetting to deposit it. And he says it happens all the time. Yeah, he could have used e-deposit too, just taken a photo of it, deposited the money within seconds, but... In the same vein, a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this, have stacks of gift cards that are unused. And that's also money that's just sitting around. Yeah, me too. My husband's friend is a teacher. And during the holidays or at the end of the school year, she gets a huge stack of gift cards as thank you from all the students. And over time, those add up too. And she also doesn't drink coffee. And the number one gift card she gets is to Starbucks. 
Yeah, well, she can sell these gift cards at CardSwap then. So I've tried using CardSwap a few times. It's pretty quick and easy. CardSwap makes you an offer based on the amount and type of gift card you have. And then you can physically mail in the cards and then you get a check for the amount or you can also swap for a different gift card. Yeah, I totally need to tell her about that. And I'm pretty sure she'd be so happy to trade the gift cards in for anything, anything of value. Another thing I like to check as part of the inventory stage are my health benefit allocations from work. So depending on the company you work for and the benefit plan you subscribe to, your benefit credits expire by a certain date every year before it renews again. So definitely maximize it. You're paying for it and you Mm -hmm. deserve it. That is a great point. And that's actually something I've been pretty good at. I've always maxed out on my wellness benefits, but there's actually been a few years that I've had money left in the vision category and I need to really schedule that eye appointment. Anyways, so let's talk about (laughs) step number two. Step two is to declutter and get rid of accounts that no longer fit in your life or to consolidate accounts. Exactly. So one of the side effects of working in the financial industry is that for research purposes, I've opened a lot of financial products at different places. And most of the time, I don't have any money in it because I'm testing Mm -hmm. out the experience only. And on the rare occasion, I do start using the account because they've offered a great rate or experience. I mean, same here. Uh, I actually keep getting all these emails in my inbox. So every now and then I'll go in and unsubscribe or try and get out of the account. But I have $50 here, $10 there. So as part of the step two of your financial spring, cleaning, this is the time to decide if it's time to close some of these accounts or if there's money in the account, even if it's small, like 50 bucks, $20, decide whether it's time to consolidate the money in the accounts. So I actually did this with my savings account recently and it's so much easier to manage. Yeah, for me too. I consolidated all my spend to a new credit card recently because the rewards were a lot better and canceled the old one. But one thing to note, even after switching everything over, I recommend keeping the old account open for an extra month or even two because I had a few recurring charges that came out from the old credit card. And at one point, I got an email from my internet provider to let me know that my payment failed because I didn't update them with my new credit card information. Yeah, that's such a great tip. One thing I noticed when I consolidated my investments to one brokerage firm is that it was so much easier to understand what was going on and see how my portfolio was performing overall. So when I log into my app now, I can see my balances on one screen. And since it's all within the same financial company, if I want to move money around from one account to another, it's actually faster and easier. Yeah, and it also might be cheaper too with less fees. And also it's way easier to remember one login and password. There's also paper clutter as well that you can minimize. So sign up for e-statements and most accounts have that option now. So now that we have our inventory of products and have gotten rid of the ones that we no longer need, step three is to set up a plan and budget for the rest of the year. This could include setting money goals and what you want to achieve. For me, what I try to do at the beginning of every year is think about what I want the end of year to look like. So it's almost like a work back. You know, I think about, hey, it's the end of the year. These are the things I'm celebrating. This is the vision that I have for all the achievements in the year. And then what I do is I try to break it down and I leverage the smart process that we've had in our podcast earlier earlier this year to set really specific, measurable, actionable goals. Mm, I love that. For me, it could also mean identifying any spend outliers for the next 12 months that you're anticipating. So for example, March is always an expensive month for me because it's my dog's annual vet checkup. And even if he is completely healthy, the vet bill is always high because the cost of his vaccines and preventative meds are so expensive. But he's about to turn 14, so I've done this 13 times already. So in my tracker, I budget an extra $1,000 for this vet visit. And he may also need a dental cleanup too, depending on what his vet recommends. So that's more money I might need to account for in the following month as well. That's a great example. Another popular expense that you could plan and budget for are expenses during special days and holiday celebrations. So for instance, birthdays, anniversaries, 
Valentine's Day, Halloween, if you're a big Halloween spender, Christmas, Diwali, Lunar New Year. It happens every year, so create a budget for it and stick to it. Yeah, I agree. And now we're at step four. So to review details of your accounts and other financial agreements. So there's a few ways you might tackle this. So one way is around your everyday expenses. And the fastest way to do this is to review several months of your debit or credit statements. Maybe you'll find recurring expenses or monthly subscriptions. If you don't need it, cancel it. Yes, and then if you have larger recurring expenses like property taxes or your insurance policy for your home, car, or life, which usually renews once a year, it's a good time to look at if the plan you still have works for you. So this is actually really critical. And once you have kids, I think this is something you should, should do much more frequently. You know, just go through your insurance, see what the coverage are, um, see if you need accidental insurance, see if you have enough life insurance. Yeah, that's a good point. And insurance policies are really interesting to read through. And unfortunately, I think it's one of those things that you only read when something goes wrong. Right. Yeah. So yeah. the first time I remember reading my condo insurance was when it flooded a few years ago. And I almost didn't get flood insurance because the broker at the time told me I didn't need it because of the floor I lived on. Wow. But thank God I did because it actually did flood and my condo board's insurance only covered part of the damage. Yeah, it needs change too, right? Like I said before, if you have kids, you're going to want to look at your life insurance more carefully. Speaking of which, this reminds me, if you have a will, this is a great time to review it too. Yeah, a lot of change happens throughout the year. So your marital status could change. Maybe there's a new baby in the family. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't hurt to evaluate if you want to update your insurance policies or your will. Okay, so now that you're done step four and have reviewed the details of your accounts, you're ready for step five, which is automate your finances. This is my favorite step. So this could mean different things depending on your comfort level. So I purposely don't automate everything because I like to track the amounts because it helps me be aware of what things cost. But I know that some people would rather just have it automated. That's me. Automate everything. AI, take over. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd right now do a bit of both because it's realistically not possible to automate everything. So you set up automatic payments for the basic stuff like your phone bill, your, your gas, anything else you've got, you know, on a monthly recurring basis. It's something that I wish was available for far more things. So like right now, I just changed credit cards and Netflix used to be on my old credit card and it keeps popping up and reminding me that I haven't paid. So if I don't pay things in time, it could actually have a huge adverse effect on my credit score. So that's actually important to think about when you're automating finances, what happens if you actually close your credit card or something else that's linked to it. Other transactions you could consider automating are transfers between accounts. So I like to keep my checking balance low and have my extra money in a high interest savings account. And a few days before my mortgage is due, I have an automatic scheduled transfer from my savings to checking account. And I used to do this manually, but I almost forgot or cut it too close way too many times. So now I just have it scheduled. That's such a great idea. I actually have friends that automatically put things into different savings accounts based on their goals. So that's another thing you can also do and you know you can automate. Another option, like I mentioned earlier, is to automate payments to your credit card. So many companies have this option, right? You can automate either the minimum or the full payment to your credit card or whatever amount you want. And this is really, really great because it helps you avoid any late payments and you don't have to stress about, hey, did I make that payment? Did I do that in time? And so on. That's a great idea. So another option is to automate your investments. So there's a few ways to do this. If your employer has a pension program, you can contribute to it. Or if you have a personal investment account, you can also set up automatic contributions to it as well. If anybody has ever listened to Warren Buffett talk about investments, he'll talk about making regular investments to the stock market. And so instead of buying, let's say your RSP at the end of the year, doing one big lump sum payment on, you know, the last date before things are due, if you set it up through the year, it's actually going to not just help you a lot, but you're going to make more money. 
you know, based on that compound interest and you don't have to worry about timing the market. So this is a great tip. I agree. So the final step of spring cleaning your finances, step six is to review your updated plan with the professionals. So of course, this is a totally optional step, but if you're comfortable with your plan, that's great. But if you have questions, then contact your financial advisor. I was actually talking to my friend's niece the other day and she thought that only people with a lot of money have financial advisors. And that's actually not true at all. So financial advisors are accessible to people of all incomes. Contact your bank, set it up. And there is no fee for the actual meeting itself. Yeah, that's right. Also, if you're in a relationship and this financial plan is shared with a partner, definitely sit down with them and go through it as well. Do you guys do this? Yes. And you know what's critical here is to make sure that you guys have a similar, or maybe the word to use here is a compatible planning and money style. So we do this. You know, you think that I, you know, having worked in the financial industry would be the more hardcore planner, but my husband is an accountant and uh, surely his spreadsheet would put any spreadsheet to shame. Um, He's been tracking inflation for years, right? So people don't even get to that level that he does. So we do get together. I see his big spreadsheet. We make sure things make sense. We do a little bit of review. But what's actually really important, and I think we cover this really well in one of our podcasts in season one, in how to talk to your partner about finances, is we talk about how we both feel and the emotional part of the plan, not just the money part. Yeah, that's so great that you guys are able to do that together because money is one of the top stressors in relationships. Okay, so those are the six steps in spring cleaning and reorganizing your finances. But we have four mind hacks to share to help you stick to the plan. So the first mind hack is to envision the future you want. So in earlier episodes, we talked about how people who had their photo digitally aged, they were more successful in sticking to their financial plans because it's hard to imagine years out in the future. But hey, here's a picture of you when you're in your (laughs) 70s, your 80s. What do you want this person's life to be like? So the second mind hack is to work on your anti-vision. This one works for me. (laughs) Write down all the things you don't want your future life to be like and shape your financial plan around that. Fight that anti-vision. So mind hack number three. So Manisha, you do this one. I know. You write thank you notes to your future self on all the great things that you are going to set out to achieve. And then mind hack number four. Don't forget to celebrate and reward yourself as you reach each milestone in your financial plan. I don't know about you, but I actually feel really motivated to do this now. And that's exactly how I want you to feel. And I hope for those that are listening, you found this interesting and motivating too. Yes, please let us know what you think and send us your feedback to our Instagram account at Make It Shine Money. And don't forget to make it shine. Any views or opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the podcast creators and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the owner may or may not be associated with in professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.